Hello, I'm Christy Robillard with Virtue, and I want to wish you a Merry Almost Christmas. These are busy weeks, and I have no doubt you are multitasking while you are listening right now. Well, good for you. You just continue on, and I'll just keep you company for a little bit. Well, I've been really enjoying reading Pastor Greg's new Advent book, Heaven's Light Breaking. It's just so good. Interesting historical content personal application from Scripture, Bible prophecy about what has come and what is to come. It's different. And this is probably what I like most about it. There's just so much to ponder while reading it. And so while reading day 15, he comes to where we are, I stopped and really thought about that very specific truth a lot. And I reflected on my own story of Jesus coming to where I was in the kitchen as a five-year-old little girl disappointed with her Easter basket. All that was in my basket were colored eggs, the ones that we had colored the night before, maybe some marshmallow peeps, but there was no chocolate, and I wanted chocolate. And so my mom corrected my spoiled childish behavior by sharing with me the real Easter story, sharing all of the details, giving me a good picture of Jesus' suffering, dying, and then his resurrection. And it had a real impact on me, even as a five-year-old. Afterward, I went and I sat under the Jesus wall art, which hung in my parents' bedroom, and I spoke to it. I just wanted to talk with Jesus. While my theology wasn't straight, my heart was. And I think that this was actually precious to Jesus. And so while sitting in the pew next to my mom during service that morning, I was still thinking about what my mom shared with me earlier. I was just so curious about Jesus, and I do remember having feelings of sadness and gratitude, and so I listened carefully to the pastor that morning, and I understood the message, even as a five-year-old little girl. And you know, it really is just a simple message after all. My story isn't a dramatic conversion story, but it is still a demonstration of the dramatic power of God that he made a young child's heart so tender and hungry and able to comprehend to a degree the cost of the gift of salvation. That, to me, is pretty amazing. I believe children are naturally drawn to Jesus, but when the flame isn't fanned, the cares of this world choke it out, and they lose sight of him. So mamas and daddies, fan the flame in your children's hearts for Jesus so that they never lose sight of him. You know, I haven't thought about this in a really long time, and I kind of just feel emotional. I'm just so thankful that he came to me when he did, right where I was, and that I've never known a day without knowing him. Because when the dark trials for our young family came, and actually I didn't realize then, but I do now as an adult woman, that Easter basket was actually a sign that things were not well in our family. And so I wasn't alone, and I had Jesus to hold on to, to give me light and hope. Yes, Jesus meets people right where they are. Jeremiah 29, verse 13, from the Message Translation. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. 
And I want to read this verse in context from the New American Standard Bible because it's just too good. So Jeremiah 29, I'm going to begin in verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And then the Lord reiterates this verse again in the beginning of verse 14. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Aren't these the sweetest and most assuring words? I will be found by you. The Lord doesn't play hide and seek. He is in plain sight. He wants to be known. And the person who seeks him will most definitely find him. But at the time of our Lord's advent, his first coming, just some were looking for the Messiah, but not most. Those who were looking for him did find him. Luke writes in his gospel, chapter 2, that there were some Jews who were looking for the consolation of Israel, which is another name for Christ, by the way. Scripture describes Simeon as a righteous and devout man, and the Holy Spirit was on him and had revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon had a passion for the Lord, and he believed the prophecies, and so he had an expectation that he would really see Jesus. And so Simeon, being in the Spirit, when he came into the temple on the day of Jesus' dedication to fulfill the requirement of the law, met Jesus. And Simeon held baby Jesus and prophesied over him. Can you just imagine holding Jesus, the Savior of the world, God incarnate, and knowing he is the Christ in your very own arms? Wouldn't it be so hard to return him to his mother's arms? We just would not want to let him go. And then there is Anna, the prophetess. She was there too, An 84-year-old widow found herself at home in the temple serving night and day in prayers and fastings, speaking to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Jesus came to where Jewish Simeon and Anna were in the temple looking for God. That seems so appropriate, though, doesn't it? The temple should be a good place for the Lord to meet his people. Similar to my story, I was seeking him while in church. We should expect the Lord to meet people in his house, and he does all the time. But he also meets people in very unlikely places, like the shepherds, also recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. The shepherds weren't even welcome in the temple, so they couldn't have met him there. So a messenger came to them right where they were, in the fields, doing what they did day in and day out, 365 days of the year, taking care of boring, stupid sheep. Their story is dramatic, from who they were to where they were when they first heard. An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and announced that a Savior had been born for them, too. The specific announcement by the angel reads, Today, In the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is Luke 2.11. The lowliest tier of society 
were the first invitees to meet Jesus in the earliest hours of He taking His place amongst His own creation. What a privilege. Each story is powerful and precious about how the Lord came to His people, the Jews. But Matthew writes in his gospel, chapter 2, about some Gentiles who were seeking and looking for true wisdom and knowledge in the stars and in science, even in occultism. And he came to them also, right where they were. The Magi were Gentiles from the Far East. These men were intelligent, educated in science, astronomy, and the occult. They had a position of respect in their society, wealth, and the freedom to travel. In their stargazing, they saw a very unique and special star. It was the star of a king, and they were compelled to find this king. They needed to worship him. Pastor Gray quotes Robert McGyver, who wrote a book titled Star of Bethlehem, Star of Messiah. Ancient records from Chinese and Korean astronomers recorded an unusual star appearing around the time of Christ's birth. The appearance of a mysterious star was a worldwide event. Some scholars think the star may have been an appearance of the Shekinah glory of God. Well, we don't know, but why not? But what we do know is that the Lord met the Magi right where they were, stargazing. And he still meets people today right where they are. I recently listened to famous tattoo artist and influencer Kat Von D share her compelling testimony about how she recently threw away her books about yoga, witchcraft, and other books on the occult and how the Lord met her right where she was. She realized that all of her needs are met in Jesus. And to quote her, she says, All I want is Jesus. I just want Jesus. No other crutches. You know, sometimes it seems that people just stumble on to Jesus while they're pursuing other enlightenments. But the reality is Jesus is the one who is always in hot pursuit of those who belong to him. And this is why so many of us have the same testimony of him meeting us right where we are. So what did the Magi know about the living God before finding Jesus? Had they heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Had they heard there was a coming Messiah? Well, Paul writes in Romans 2, verses 14 through 15, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. You see, the laws of God are written in our hearts. Paul also writes earlier in Romans 1, verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. The Magi simply responded to what was revealed to them through God's creation. For the most part, Relatively few of both Jews and Gentiles were actually looking for the Lord during this time in history. While life wasn't perfect under Roman rule, people got used to their way of life, even though they were ruled through tyranny. But there was order. As long as you paid your taxes and didn't upset patrolling Roman guards, life was somewhat tolerable. It was orderly. People knew what to expect. 
but there wasn't the type of freedom being experienced that people were created for. For the most part, spiritual hunger pangs had vanished, and they were just used to spiritual starvation. The people of promise who had the Word of God, the scrolls, even having an organized religious system charged with leading and lighting the way for the people missed the coming of their Savior, the consolation of Israel. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by, yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The infamous Christmas carol written by Phillips Brooks. Hmm, Bethlehem missed her moment. We have all sung that Christmas carol a thousand times, probably cheerfully and mindlessly, while multitasking our way through Christmas, but never really contemplating its sad commentary. Secularism, complacency, and acceptance ruled the day for the most part of our Lord's first coming. And this sounds a little bit too familiar for us today, doesn't it? And sadly, there will be those who will miss the next. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. This is Matthew 24, verses 37 through 42. In light of recent events concerning Israel, I have been increasingly looking up, looking with expectation for the rapture of his church. In fact, each morning when I first wake up, I'm surprised I'm still here and then make sure my husband is too, you know, don't want to get left behind. But I'm just so eager for the day. I'm ready and looking for the day. I relate to Simeon and his great expectation. I relate to Anna, who found her home in the temple serving with prayers and fastings. I also relate to the shepherds, who were nobodies, but the Lord came and announced himself in a dramatic way to them. And I even relate to the Magi, who didn't have their theology straight, but were seeking, and God revealed himself to them right where they were. It's good to find yourself somewhere in the Christmas story. You're the reason he came, and you're the reason he's coming again. This event will happen sooner or later. Jesus is calling, and he is coming. So we're exhorted to be on the alert. So dream big about this day with excitement. Read about it. Talk about it. Post about it, even. For who knows but God if this may be a Christmas like we've never experienced before. And he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Well, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Be encouraged. The Lord is with you. He is faithful to complete this good work in you that he began. He loves you with a passionate and consuming love. And if you're feeling low this season, maybe disappointed with what you don't have, remember, for you, a Savior has been born, and this is worth celebrating.
And so I pray for you now as I do for myself. May the power of his presence shatter every competitor for his worthy adoration. May you yearn without hesitation for his calling and be bold to share this treasure you hold within. So God bless you this Christmas season.